0: Welcome to the Embodied Business Revolution podcast with myself, Polly Lavarello, created for entrepreneurs and online business owners who know that business gets to be different from what we've been told. Join me and my entrepreneurial guests for insights into how they've created wild success while dropping the hustle and honoring their well-being. Because I believe that success is more than a financial destination. It's how we get to feel every day. Welcome to the Embodied Business Revolution podcast with myself, Polly Lavarello. I'm so excited to have a guest on the show today, Kate Moore Youssef. Uh, Kate is a well-being and EFT coach specifically supporting women with ADHD to thrive and live well after their late in life diagnosis. Kate also hosts the British Podcast Award nominated, the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. And Kate, on a personal level, it's very exciting to be connecting with you. Firstly, because you and I worked together a few years ago, which it is a few years ago now, it feels much like closer. But also more than that, when I listened to your podcast recently, I recognized there, is, there are parallels with our stories in that I haven't been diagnosed with ADHD, but my daughter has. Well, actually, you no, know, she hasn't either. She's on the pathway to getting a diagnosis, but um, that's taking years. But pretty much every doctor who's assessed her has said it's pretty definite she has ADHD and she definitely is autistic. And with all of that, that's certainly brought up a lot for myself and help me recognize elements of myself. So I'm just so excited to have you here and to learn more from you about what ADHD is. You know, it's such a buzzword these days. It's something that people reference a lot more. And what I discovered when I looked at your podcast is that you really, really lift the lid off of what ADHD is. You know, I think people use it so lightheartedly these days. People don't really understand what it's about. So let's start with you I'd love to know how did a d h d come into your world? How did it kind of come to your kind of awareness what's what's the story behind that
1: so i um I was diagnosed um two years ago now nearly two years ago and that was alongside my daughter <clears throat> who was nine at the time and it was over lockdown and I just knew that there was something going on. Um And I'd already seen it, you know, manifest for a few years at school in different capacities, but it was over lockdown where it was really very... Um, prominent for me because I could see it, you know, right there in front of my eyes. Um, so I went and started looking into an assessment for her. And in the meantime, I was looking at how it looks and presents in girls because I grew up with ADHD in my house because my two brothers were diagnosed very early on. So I'd always known about ADHD and I'd always seen it just look like what the stigma is, what everyone says. It's, you know, for naughty boys who couldn't sit still and it was boys that were interrupted and were um, chaotic and energetic and all those things. And um, I just didn't know what it looked like in girls. So that really opened my mind. It really opened what um, it could look like in girls. And it was totally what I was, it was totally what how it presented in me growing up and as a teen, you know, adulthood. Um, and it also cemented, the difference, the disparity of why a girl's not being diagnosed, why women not having ADHD, but, you know, boys and men are still, you know, having it. So it allowed me to scratch beneath the surface and recognize that the women who I was already serving, the women I wanted to serve, and and the women who I wanted to work with, the people who I connected with, who I felt they were my, my tribe were probably all ADHD as well. So it allowed me to really niche down in my own business and, and, understand my own audience and myself better so it's been a massive learning curve it's been huge past two years I've probably learned more about myself than I have in my whole life to be honest
0: so I'm curious to know because like you say I think there's a, a good general understanding of how ADHD presents in boys but what does it look like in girls and women for anyone who's listening and thinking it's crossed my mind. I may have ADHD. What were the things that you recognised in yourself? I mean, obviously, we're not here to diagnose anyone, but no. if there, what 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 were the telltale signs for you? I think with ADHD, I mean, I've, I've
1: had hundreds of clients over the past couple of years, and it does show up differently. But there's lots of underlying traits that are very sort of. Um, recognizable once you kind of have that radar, you know, finally honed. For me, it showed up in anxiety from a young age. I was a daydreamer, always thinking, always looking around and coming up with ideas. And I don't know, I was just very much in my head, which contributed to Lots of, I would say hypochondria, anxiety, fear, worry, overthinking. It it works on both sides. You know, it's brilliant for ideas. It's brilliant when you're an entrepreneur. It's great when you've got a business and you're constantly innovating and moving and evolving. But it also contributes to feeling like you can never get enough done. You always want to be achieving more. You're never settled. There's like an internal restlessness that just feels like it's never satiated. You just can't quite. Ever feel settled. And that was the hardest part for me. I was always chopping and changing ideas, coming up with different careers. And then when it was when I had my kids, especially, I noticed the anxiety really kick in. I wanted to do everything and all the things I knew I couldn't. So there was a lot of burnout. It was always just being constantly drained and exhausted, socially feeling exhausted, wanting to retreat, pull back. And, and I think the, a huge part of ADHD is that there's so much going on in our heads. There's a It's a mental motor that never quite switches off, but it's being masked by perhaps perfectionism. It's being masked by wanting to do all the things and keep achieving and keep... Um, saying yes and there's and there's people pleasing but internally we're like we're never enough we're not worthy we need to keep going we need to keep trying because we need to keep proving ourselves so there's a huge amount of imposter syndrome that goes on with ADHD so I do, I don't like the title ADHD because it doesn't do what it says on the tin and I'm you say this all the time that you know the title the label whatever it is needs to be changed so women can identify better with what is going on. And yes, there's a a deficit in uh, executive um, functioning. You know, there is the word, you know, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder, the hyperactivity can be both internal and external. So you could be feeling like you just always need to be on the go, on the go, on the go. And then the only time you settle and relax is when you physically crash. That's it. It's their physical, you get on the couch and you can't move. You can't speak. You can barely cook dinner. And all you can do is just like turn on the remote control and just numb out. And then we have the hyper focus. So again, if you, people are listening and they're sort of business owners and they may notice that they have got workaholic tendencies, that they really need to prove themselves through work because we have this hyper-focus and we, if, if we are really into something, if something really lights us up, then we don't have a deficit of attention. We have a hyper-focus. We have too much of it. And again, you know, it's brilliant if you're an entrepreneur, but we need to be able to recognize there's a balance. We need to be able to pull back and almost be one step ahead of ourselves and be like, okay, I've done a 12-hour day. This is not This is not sustainable, you know, and factor in breaks and buffers and out and so it's constantly being self-aware which is exhausting in itself yeah. um, but i didn't have this awareness so i just thought there was something wrong with me i couldn't understand and especially as women because of the conditioning and we're still living we're like bridging the gap between this old generation and this new generation and we are kind of this this in between of we are women who should stay at home look after the children do all the maternal stuff be the woman Doing all the you know, the wifely juicies, but we're also running businesses, and we are ambitious, and we want to do all the things, and we want to be all the things, and we can't do it all, and we can't be it all, and that in itself is exhausting. So, I would say having ADHD is quite tiring. <laughs> so, if you notice yeah. you're constantly <laughs> tired and burnt out by your own ambition and brain and energy. That is a quite a bit of a, a marker, I would say, as well.
0: I had a similar moment when when everyone, I think a lot of people have that moment when they suspect they might be on the spectrum where they then think, oh, but my parents are that way and, and my siblings are quite similar and, and my friends and, and my clients. So, you know, we, we all work, we all operate a similar way. So, If they're normal, then I must be normal too. And then there's that moment where you recognize, oh, actually, (laughs) could it be that the way I am in the world attracts other people? I mean, obviously, when it comes to family, that's not to do with attraction. That's to do with genetics and that they know there's a strong genetic component in being on the spectrum. You know, my mom almost certainly has ADHD and my dad almost definitely has autism. So, um, you know, my children similarly, you know, so there's, you know, it wasn't surprising to me. Um, but it was also really eye-opening because there were certain behaviors I didn't understand about my dad, for example, who was always late for everything for a long time. And to be able to understand that it's how he's wired and therefore to be able to extend that compassion to him and to extend that compassion to myself and, and likewise to my children. And then also recognizing that, of course, like you say, we attract our tribe and there's something about us, you know, like I say, us, like we're kind of a special group, but you know, that there is, there's definitely something that I'm very attracted to other people who've got that slight intense energy. I find slow energy almost kind of, you know, I, I find myself sitting there going, come on, come on, what are you going to, what are you going to say? Next? <laughs> so I love that intense energy. <laughs> yeah. But I really love what you're saying here as well, because I was reflecting what you're sharing. And, and like you say, there's, there's words like perfectionism, workaholism, overachieving, um, imposter syndrome. There's so many things that come up around being an entrepreneur who has ADHD. And also, of course, it really suits somebody who has ADHD to become an entrepreneur um, because of the way we are. Um, And interestingly, one of the things I found in the early phases of entrepreneurialism is is that um, I, I really got into the whole mindset energy thing. And actually those traits made the mindset stuff really hard for me. I would really beat myself up for like, why can't I just be in trust? Why can't I just be, you know, like I I had all these, I was like, I know this. So why can't I be this? Why am I not doing this? And actually that's where the somatic stuff really came in and regulating the nervous system, which is why I find it really fascinating. Cause of course you're an EFT practitioner, which is something that's really good for somatics and, and regulating the nervous system. So I'd love to know for you in terms of ADHD and, and kind of mindset and somatics, like what role either of those have kind of played for you in terms of how you've supported yourself since being more self-aware around your ADHD diagnosis?
1: Yeah. I mean, what you were just talking about with regards to self-doubt, not trusting yourself, that was something that I was riddled with and, and still it can, comes back. And, I, and again, I do see that as a trait with ADHD perhaps it's historic, there's trauma involved, that the self-doubt comes from, well, I couldn't hand my dissertation in on time, or I couldn't um, catch up with my coursework, or I was always um, behind, or I I never remembered all the details at school. Like there's a lot of academic trauma from undiagnosed ADHD, which then feeds into our self-worth and our self-belief. And I had that hugely because I really struggled with maths and Just so you know, with ADHD, it never travels alone. So very often there's either sort of dyscalculia or dyslexia or um, dyspraxia, other you know learning challenges. So it's always good to be able to recognise that. So for me, maths, accounting, keeping up with my finances, anything to do with money, fed into this belief for me, and I couldn't. I in my head I was like, there's nowhere I can be a business owner because. I don't understand money and I don't understand accounts. And that was a massive hurdle for me. And so for me, the tapping really helped me kind of, um, like you say, this somatic side where my brain didn't just kept saying to me, no, Kate, you can't do it. You can't do it. This is for someone else. I couldn't override that self-doubt and it still definitely is there, you know, a quieter voice, but it's still there. And so for me, using EFT, managed to get to the root of the problem. And the root of the problem was that I never really felt confident in maths. Once I understood that, then I got my diagnosis. So much of it was out of my control. There was so much childhood stuff there that I couldn't control. So then it gave me the opportunity to um, rewire a lot of my thinking. Um, and I actually went and did um, NLP training, became a practitioner. And it's not something I use day to day, but it really enabled me to recognize the power of our brain's plasticity to be able to mm. change our be- beliefs and thoughts. And if I kept thinking the same way, that's how I was going to keep showing up. But if I change and I use different words and the power of our words and the power of using more positive terminologies, all things like that has really helped me. So now I know that I have to get support, help, delegate. I find resources. I've had training. And I've recognized that not being a weakness anymore. I used to think like, everyone should know everything. And I, I genuinely thought up to the age of probably about 38, why does everyone know everything and I don't? Like, why does everyone? I realise that everyone doesn't know everything, and it's okay to outsource. But for whatever reason, I have a story in my head that I was the one that didn't know anything. And I was behind and I was wrong. And, and now I realize that actually, there's, you can do things your way and it's okay to do things your way. And that's a massive learning curve for me in my business It's that it doesn't have to look like what everyone else is doing for it to be right. I thought it had to be right in one way and now I'm like, okay, I'll just do things my way. And, you know, some things have worked and some things haven't, but that's really helped me as well. So anyone listening to this and they are comparing themselves and thinking that they should do things because someone else has done it, especially if, you know, comparing yourself to, if you're neurodiverse to neurotypical, it's kind of like, you can't. There's just no way. It's like comparing Chinese and Italian food. There's just there's just no comparison. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's how I would describe it.
0: I think it's also one of the things I found really interesting about what you were just sharing is ADHD is one thing in and as of itself, but it's also the trauma that comes alongside growing up unaware as to why you're not functioning like everyone else and the stories that can leave you with in regards to not, like you say, not trusting yourself. And and really interesting, like you say, also that it it tends to travel alongside something else, whether that's dyslexia. I mean, I've always found when I'm writing I'll accidentally start writing the second word that's already in my head while I'm trying to finish writing the first. Things like that, that never had a diagnosis, but I never understood about myself and why I was so relieved when I finally was at university and I could start typing everything. Um, And nowadays, luckily my daughter who's got her diagnosis, she is being taught to touch type at the age of eight, which is just, I'm so glad to see that because if she does have what I had, it made writing take me twice as long because I was always having to stop and scribble out the, the word ahead. So I think it's really interesting what you're saying about this this trauma that comes alongside that and, and the language we use around that in terms of being more kind of forgiving to ourselves. And I think what it pulled into question for me is there are people out there who say, oh, ADHD is just another label. And I'm continually fighting against that because I don't believe that at all. But I'm curious to know what your stance is on that, because that is obviously the flip side of more of this awareness around ADHD is that there are other people out there saying, why would you want to label yourself? Um, and I'd love to know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, it gets
1: me really angry, really, really up <laughs> because it's the ignorance. You know, if mm. if you're not aware, you literally see ADHD as I can't concentrate for long, I can't focus, I can't sit through a TV programme. Yes, that is part of it. But we live in an age now where everything is fast paced and 15 second videos and all of that. And, and so our brains are being wired for quick, you know, keep changing, keep moving. But when you scratch beneath the surface and, I, and we talk about the mental health side and, um, you know, the there's, there's really dark stuff of addiction and eating disorders and self-harm and suicide, you know, that is what contributes to undiagnosed ADHD. You know, we are talking mm. about p- very poorly people who have gone throughout their whole lives and not understanding their neurology, you know, the fact that it's connected with um, dopamine and hence the reason why um, addiction is so big and it's a huge part of um, ADHD because we're constantly seeking dopamine because our receptors aren't kind of connecting the way they should. Then they understand actually, OK, this is much bigger than we we think it is. And so the reason why the awareness is so important is because if you are suffering with ADHD. And it's really challenging, you know, the impact it has on family, relationships, parenting, you know, there's so much dysfunction and chaos, and there's so much difficulty. You know, there's something like a statistic of someone with ADHD has something like 14 or 15 years taken off their lifespan. They are much more prone to divorce they're much more prone to, you know, suicide. So this is is a conversation that's incredibly important for people to be understanding themselves so they can get the support and the help that they deserve. You know, whether it is um, medication, it's coaching, it's support, it's self-acknowledgement, it's just validation. Okay, there's nothing bad. I'm not a bad human. I'm not lazy. I'm not... And capable, i'm not all these things that i've been telling myself the wiring is slightly different so i need to understand my wiring i need to understand what is the best way for me to live and understand where where i need to be you know emphasizing my strengths how i can be harnessing them more how i can be delegating asking for more help and that is where the magic happens because the amount of women that i have been you know coaching and and working with it's that epiphany of okay so it it's not me it's i'm not the bad person here and they then have to go through a process and there's definite grief there of all the things that could have changed that could have been and you know we can't change the past and we don't want to dwell on that because we literally just can't change what's happened but what we are can do with a diagnosis and a label however you want to describe it is Learn more, read more, listen to podcasts, connect with like-minded people, work in a way that suits us better, recognize well, how our nervous system works, recognize the power of our energy and using it for the, in the best way. And that is, is the magic. So I personally think that, you know, call it a label, call it a diagnosis, whatever you want, but to have a level of understanding and to have gone through a life, you know, I've spoken to women who are in their seventies. And only just understand that's a life gone where they could have done things differently. So if you are in your teens and you're in your twenties and you on the precipice of starting a career and all of that, like, why wouldn't you want to know how your brain works and, and work with it as opposed to being against it instead of being resistance? Let's just work with who we are, work with the energy that we've got and work with the strengths that we have probably pushed aside because we're very good at noticing all our um, challenges and all the criticism. But actually, we've got a huge amount of strengths. But perhaps we've just not, you know, acknowledged them. So I would say the diagnosis is very important. I just don't love the label of ADHD. That's all.
0: Yeah, no. And thank you for answering what is a very triggering question that for some reason, and maybe because of how being on the spectrum as being portrayed in films in the past with things like Rain Man and things like that and all these extremes we hear of. There's real stereotypes around what it is to be autistic or to be ADHD or to be any of those things, and I don't think it helps because it means that when people ask this question about why do you need the label or the diagnosis or any of those things, for me it's like, well, why wouldn't you? If you if you were dyslexic, would you want to go through the rest of your life struggling to kind of write or read or do any of those things? Wouldn't wouldn't you rather know so you can work with it rather than against it? Well, it's exactly the same thing. It's just a different way that your brain is wired, and the moment that you can understand that, you can work with it rather than against it. And witnessing my daughter going through school, getting the support that I never did, Is very healing for me because um, I I sometimes find myself immensely triggered by the situation she finds herself in because I can remember how hard it was for me at school. And I don't want that for her. And obviously, there's still always going to be challenging elements about being in a school, but at least there's less of them and there's more understanding, more compassion. You know, my daughter did a presentation in front of her class explaining, at the moment, she only has an autism diagnosis. So she explained it to her class. Um, and it was really empowering for her. Her relationship with her diagnosis has changed since then because everyone clapped her at the end and people were asking questions. Some One, one boy in the class even said, I think that might be me as well. So it was, it's been, it's, it's a really empowering journey if you allow and choose for it to be that rather than something that, you know, takes away. And interestingly with my daughter, I never grieved her diagnosis and that's not saying that's right or wrong. You know, I think everyone has their own process. I think for me, there was so, such, um, there were lots of people questioning me for a long time because she was young when she was diagnosed. She was six and there, and there were lots of people kind of going, "Oh, maybe she's young, maybe she's this, maybe she's that. And I just had this inner knowing, you know? And, and so when I finally got that diagnosis, for me, it was a victory. I was like yes, you know, like now I understand and now I can understand this better and I can support her better and I can encourage people around her to be more patient. And that applies to us as adults as well, isn't it? So I'm really interested listening to everything you shared. I know you touched on relationships. I mean, you touched on loads of really juicy, interesting subjects there. But if we go into relationships, have you found since you have this higher level of self-awareness as to, you know, who and how and why you are, how, how has it affected how you communicate with your loved ones in terms of their expectations of you? Has it changed at all?
1: It's definitely helped my me understand myself better so I can communicate better with my husband. He is quite a black and white thinker, I would say. So I've had to really kind of work with him and share lots of articles and explain to him and he's learning and he's understanding. I see that my ADHD come from, you know, my parents in different capacities, actually. So it's made, enabled me to have a level of compassion towards them um, and understand my childhood and their style of parenting. And I guess what I went through, you know, they, they divorced. Um, there was a huge amount of challenges from my, both, my brothers having ADHD um, and them being undiagnosed and not really knowing between them, what was going on. Um, So I see that as a bit of a, a learning, as a bit of a lesson for my own relationship. Um, it's helped me understand why I've been so sensitive. So there's rejection sensitivity dysphoria, which is a huge part of ADHD. And that has helped my husband understand why I take things to heart, why mm. anything that I think I thought was a big deal, and he didn't. He's now able to understand that it wasn't me just blowing things out of proportion, and and that's definitely helped. So I still have to remind him a lot. I still has to go and just remember this is why I'm feeling like you know I was only just doing this the other night, and I sent him something. It was it was about judgment and fearing people's judgment, which is part of RSD, and being a bit of a people pleaser and not wanting to. Do something because I did, I was worried about what how people might perceive me. And he went, why do you care so much? And I just said, because I really do care. I really genuinely, like physically pains me the thought of someone judging me and saying something negative about me, where he is a bit like water off a duck's back. And that's really hindered me in business because I constantly worried what people were thinking and what I'd put on social media. And it's taken me two years to be able to put things on social media and kind of be like, you know what, this is this is how I'm going to talk about it. I'm not the type of person that puts everything on social media at all. I never will be. There's a lot of amazing accounts out there that really show the warts and all side of ADHD. I really do pick and choose what I want to share because I've got kids and I'm very conscious that, you know, I, I don't want to put too much out there. Um, so it's definitely enabled me to be more open and I think more vulnerable and also recognize that I used to just shame myself and go, there I go again, hormones, or there I go again, so sensitive, or I'm being really immature. And all these things I used to just tell myself. And actually now I understand when it's rejection sensitivity, when I am feeling, there's another part of ADHD is where we are that it's like a justice. We, we they have this sense of justice that we want to stand up for people and we want to, you know, for me, it's bullying. So if something happens and I see bullying in anything with my kids or I go mad, I like really, really lose. I'm just kind of lag on my soapbox in my job. I have to maintain boundaries and I have to ensure that I'm protecting my energy. But I get a lot of messages from people all the time telling me their stories and telling me the difficulties that they are going through. And I could spend a lot of time messaging people back and helping people, but I can't because I'm going to absorb a lot of that energy. So with ADHD, if you've recognized that you are an empath and you're like a sensitive person and you absorb people's energy, that is you know, something you're not a bad person for maintaining boundaries because otherwise it's kind of like we go down and the whole ship goes down. So I yeah. have to recognize that I've got kids. I need to be, you know, on it and, you know, turn off my social media. I need to be able to maintain boundaries with my clients or things like that. So it's just, again, it's, it's self-awareness and it's very helpful. So just learning about how it all shows up in different capacities is very helpful indeed.
0: Yeah. And, and I guess one of the questions that came up for me when I was listening to you talking about the rejection sensitivity and, and recognizing that in your thoughts and feelings around certain activities, what do you do in that situation? Do you kind of, knowing that, do you then think, okay, I'm going to push through this? Or do you do you sit with it and accept it? Or is, is there something you kind of do to kind of work with it?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, once I found out about rejection, sensitivity, dysphoria, I was like, wow. Okay. This like answered so many questions of why I was so terrified of putting anything out there. Because in my head, I would think about X, Y, and Z. I'd think about this person and they're going to say this. And I created all these stories and then the fear kicked in and then I didn't put anything out there. And I kept myself small and kept pushing myself down. And I didn't want to do anything out of the ordinary or beyond the norm because I was just scared of any form of, you know, feedback, criticism, um, anything. So I had to work through that and it's been a really slow process and it can again come back and remind me. But I now, I think With ADHD, a huge part of it is if we are fulfilled and we're living in alignment and we're living with purpose and we are enjoying what we're doing and we feel very connected, like hugely like from a soul level, um, whether it's money related or not money related, we have to have this like connection. And now because I really love what I do, I push through the RSD because I want to be of service and I talk about things because I know that it's gonna help someone else. However, I'm still really careful what I put on social media and I choose my audiences. So I've got a newsletter and um, that goes out, and I know these people have signed up because they want to hear from me. So what I put in there is actually a lot more truthful and emotional, not truthful, I would say I dive deeper into the emotions and I don't hold back as much. On social media people follow you and this and, you know, it's just one of those things. And I, I I just, I'm a little bit more careful. So I would say, choose your audience. You know, if you have, uh, again, I've got two Instagram accounts. I've got my one and then I've got one for the um, ADHD Women's Wellbeing podcast account. People who follow me on the ADHD account are there because they want to learn. They want to understand more. So I put more things ADHD related on there. With On my Instagram account, my cape, more Yousef one, that's more generalized well-being with some ADHD in there. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. It's just what I, right it now, does. how it feels. <laughs> just, yeah, it just feels right right now. Again, the podcast, I'm really open on the podcast because you're not going to listen to my podcast unless you're interested in ADHD. So I feel that's a really safe space. I've got a membership as well. I'm really open and there's a lot of vulnerability in my membership because the women who are in there are, you know, diagnosed or, you know, on the on the journey of being diagnosed. And it's important that there's truth and authenticity there. So I would say just choose who you're speaking to. And if you get a vibe from someone, who kind of was going to be quite dismissive about ADHD or dismissive about neurodiversity or too kind of questioning. You don't have to talk about it. You don't have to be really open. You can just Kind of talk about it to the level that you feel comfortable with and then change the subject if that feels right to you. So it's not like you have to be an open book to everyone. You are allowed to maintain your boundaries with who you talk to, how you talk about it and what feels comfortable. And that evolves over time. And the more comfortable you get and the more um, confident you get in the, in the conversation. And that's, that's what's happened with me. It's genuinely just evolved over time. And who knows, you know, where I'm going to be in a few years with it.
0: I love all of this, and I love that I heard the word "feel" so often in what you were sharing there. You know that you are exercising a self awareness and feeling into what feels good, and and also just the way you kind of spoke about it, very much from a trial and error perspective. You know, you don't go in and know something's going to work, but when something doesn't feel right, you back off and you find a way that does feel good because there is always a way to do things that feel good. And the other thing I kind of um, felt when I was hearing what you were saying about the rejection sensitivity and then rooting into why your voice matters, why sharing things matters. Um, So you know, I was thinking, you know, you're, you're kind of rooting into one of the superpowers of what it is to be ADHD, that almost that sense of justice, which is where when you're really rooted in your mission and vision, like the sense of justice we have around like, but this really matters and this needs to be out there and, um, I really related with that. You know, I actually recently did a podcast talking about visibility in my first ever troll, and how, funnily enough, listening to what you're saying, that I had rooted into my mission and vision and why my words matter. And that helped me overcome that sense of like, oh, somebody doesn't like me, which is not a nice feeling. So it's really interesting there to see how you've kind of taken, I mean, when I obviously say weakness, it's not obviously a very nice word to use for it because, you know, it's not exactly a weakness, but like you say, it can be a hindrance. In business when we're afraid to put ourselves forward. But I also think one of the things I really liked about what you were sharing is that we don't have to force through these things. We don't have to push through these things because it's it's pushing through all the time that can leave you feeling burnt out and exhausted and resentful. And so actually it's learning to work with these things and learning to kind of feel into what feels good for us. And I think that's such a powerful thing. And obviously, this podcast is called the Embodied Business Revolution. And this is such a powerful kind of takeaway to kind of understand that you know there are there are so many different ways to do things. And like I love the way you've kind of looked at the different spaces and the ways that you show up on social media and the way you show up in your marketing, and found the spaces that feel safe to you because when we're in a, a safe energy we can produce from a much more abundant flowy state rather than one that's contracted. Um, So I just think that's really beautiful and such a valuable lesson for anyone who's thinking, Oh, we need to do reels because everyone's doing reels. I need to do vulnerable stories or share the warts and all like There's no need in any context. It's always about what feels best for you because there'll always be somebody else out there. Who's going, thank you, Kate. Thank you for sharing this in a way that is the way that I would want to show up in a way that I feel comfortable with. Um, and and that's not to say that the Watson and all accounts that like you say that they have their own, like that's also equally as impressive and amazing. We all have our own way of doing things, but your way is always the best way, um, regardless of what that way is. Um, so thank you. Cause that, I think that's a really important thing for our listeners to hear. So now that you have this level of self-awareness around how ADHD has been impacting you so far and what it is you're doing now, if somebody were to say to you, who's been diagnosed with ADHD, I'm about to start an online business, what, what are the kind of three things you'd recommend that I kind of lean into or focus on to, to help me navigate the two side by side and make the, the two kind of work in synchronicity versus be bussing heads? What would you recommend?
1: oh god I feel like I've really been around the houses because I kept doing things because I thought I should be doing them and that was that was when I just kept hitting dead ends you know I'd kept I'd hitting another brick wall and I'd be like what is wrong with me and I just kept, I was like I'm compared I kept comparing myself to other people and then there was I around the time I got the diagnosis, there was a bit of an epiphany for me. It was, it was, it was one of those moments where I noticed that when I, when it felt good, the outcome was good. When I followed my gut and I followed that intuition and it felt weird, like even the podcast, you know, I I started it nearly a year ago. So I started in January, 2022. And I, Kept thinking, I just need to be talking about this. And then I thought, well, ADHD, women's wellbeing, like, is it really a thing? Like, is anyone really going to be interested? But I did it because it just kept a ringing in my ear to do it. And it, it proved, you know, right. And I got nominated for an award, and the numbers keep going up. And the feedback keeps coming back that it's a really helpful podcast. But it didn't 100% make sense. And now it's fed into different lines of my business. And so I've just been following little breadcrumbs of things that feel good. Now, two or three years ago, if someone said to me, do you want to set up an online membership and, you know, carry, you know, 80 women with you? I would be like, no way. I can't do that. There's no way. It didn't feel right at the time. And I wanted to just, anything to do with that, I wanted to put it put away. But now I'm doing it and it feels right for me now. So I would say that the way we operate best is what I said before, is that when it feels right, it feels good. It may not make 100% sense. It may not look like the business strategy plan that other people do. But if it feeds your soul, it lights you up, it interests you, you've got curiosity and passion, do it your way. And show up in your way because it really will pay off. It, it, it's worth the gamble. It's worth the risk. And again, you know, I some, there's some weeks where social media makes me feel sick and I just don't want to go near it. I don't want to post. And I used to push through and just post stuff and I was just like, oh. but now I just allow that to happen. And then there's other days where I do want to just show up every day and I do it. And I have recognized that I work in cycles and ebbs and flows. I've noticed that. So I don't shame myself anymore when I'm not always on, where I'm allowed to retreat and pull back and have time to reflect and tweak and change. And there's sometimes where I've been working on something and I'm about to launch it and it doesn't feel right. And I'm like, no, pull it back. Let's push it for, you know, two months time. So I also recognize that it's okay to do that. Like if you are running your own business, you are allowed, if no one, even if you've announced it, even if you've got a waiting list, you are allowed to be truthful and honest and say to your audience, it doesn't feel right at the moment. Please bear with me. Um, You know, I'm going to launch it again soon, but right now this doesn't feel right. And then allow, make space. I always notice that when I make space, something better comes in, something more authentic comes in. So it's just allowing yourself to keep navigating and weaving. And I don't know, I wish I, I wish I was an expert in this, but I'm just kind of learning on the job. For sure,
0: That's pretty expert to me. Honestly, that I think that I, I absolutely love that. And I really resonate with everything you're saying. Um, my team find me slightly frustrating because I am so intuitive and similarly will be like, that doesn't feel right anymore. <laughs> and, and occasionally they will literally say, Polly, just like shelf that idea for a bit and then come back to us and see if you're still interested because they know me by now. Um, and like you say, I know you referenced earlier on that delegating is such a key piece. And so now with my team, I will say, I don't know if it's my ADHD brain, but this is what I'm feeling into. And, you know, can you sense check this for me? And does this like you, you decide whether we do this now or later because it's happening, but maybe right now it's not the right time, but I'm just getting a bit obsessed and excited by it. Um, so I really like the power dynamic as a CEO is slightly different with mine in that I very often hand that power back to them and say, <laughs> like, you manage me for a moment because I know I'm in that excitable phase that, you know, perhaps, because sometimes I do get excitable and it's good to follow the passion, but there's an element of like, sometimes it also just throws everything else into disarray. And, you know, we're just about to like, you know, summit a mountain and I'm like, oh, look at that one over there. <laughs> Let's go climb that one instead. And they're like, which we're almost at the top, Polly. Let's keep on going. And I'm like, no, no, I want to go to that one. So, yeah, but having that self-awareness is great, isn't it? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm exactly the same. And I've got an amazing assistant. And I was away over half term and I was, you know, desperately trying to switch off. And when I desperately try and switch off, it's when the ideas, you know, flow. And I was walking the beach. (laughs) And this woman, I was sitting on the sun lounger, you know, trying to read and taking all the gorgeous scenery. And um, this woman walked past and she was on the phone and she was speaking. She goes, and I just can't get past this procrastination. And she was like talking about procrastination for no no longer than 30 seconds. She walked past me. And in that split second, I was like, I need to do a workshop about procrastination. And that was <laughs> it. And I started like banging out this whole bit of copy, literally in five minutes. It just flew out of me. And I sent it to my assistant. And she was like, you know, you've got two other workshops planned this month. Like you can't do any more. So I was like, Oh, right. Okay. So I need someone like her to be able to say to me, it's, you know, let's, let's keep it, let's keep it on ice, but we've got this plan right now. You can't do too much. Cause I actively say to her, I need you to be accountable for me putting too much on myself because that's when the burnout happens. And all of a sudden I look at my diary and I've got like a gazillion things that I've put in. So it's, it's raining things in and it's knowing that things don't disappear and slotting things in and giving ourselves time and space. Um, but also the allowance that if it doesn't quite feel right, like let's, let's switch things up, let's move things around. Sure. It's been agile. I think that's what we're great at. This agility. We bounce back. We've got a lot of resilience. We are risk takers, which is fantastic for business because the impulsivity often kicks us into action and so other people may just be like oh i can't do that you know that da, da, da. i don't know t- i don't know enough about that subject but with us we're like sod it let's just give it a go you know let's you know see what sticks and so we are great at business for that reason because we try things and we're curious and we're excitable so we just need people in our team to just rein us in when we need to be give us a push in the right direction, help us, systems, all things like that. So just, yeah, make sure you've got someone like a cheerleader support system in place if you can, because that for me was what took my business to the next level, 100%. I was trying to do it all on my own and it didn't work.
0: Yeah. And like you say, keeping that space to allow for that creativity and that, you know, intuition to kind of come through. If there's too much doing, it's hard to have space for that. And it's funny listening to what you were saying, because it reminded me how at the beginning of the year, I, I did a one-off like um, session to kind of plan the year ahead. And we had to come up with like a big goal that we really wanted to achieve. And everyone that was in there with me, we, I think we went off into breakout rooms and I was there with about four or five other women, all lovely, inspiring women, all very talented, all great on, you know, great business owners. And all their big goals are like, okay, so I'm going to do, I need to do X and then I need to do Y and then Z and then maybe by the end of the year, I can think about doing my bigger goal or actually maybe this is a two-year goal because I need to do all these. And for me, they were like, when are you going to, I was like, well, tonight, I think I'm going to do a live and tell everyone I've had this amazing idea. And they were just like, hold your horses, Polly. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Cause and I was, I was like, this is going to be done by March, like at the latest, you know? And and I, <laughs> and I was like, really like mystified. I was watching this game. Is this how other people think like that they kind of allow a whole year for? for a year goal. Like for me, I was like, no, this this, like, we need to start bringing it into now. But like you say, that can really be a superpower. I think that's why we see so many people with ADHD in the entrepreneurial space, because like you say, that impulsivity, that um, hyper-focus, that, um, that creativity and that intuition and that empathy, you know, because if you don't have empathy with the people that you're marketing to, if you don't really understand them or care about them, it really shows, you know, and I think while that sensitivity to rejection and the and the imposter syndrome and other things that can come up um, can make it challenging to market ourselves. At the same time, it's also what makes us very genuine and authentic. You know, it's the one bit of feedback I get so often from people that I'm selling to. They're like, you seem really grounded and I feel like I can trust you. And I recognize that's partly because I, I stumble over my words. I don't say things perfectly. I'm not very slick and salesy because I can't be. It's not, it's just not something I can do. My, my sales calls are very intuitive. I, I just lean into the energy of the call and the person I'm speaking to. I don't have a sales script. And things like that, you know, and that's because my ADHD brain would get overwhelmed and I'd probably like, you know, I I would be, the perfectionism would kick in and that would actually ruin the naturalness of the conversation. So I just did away with them (laughs) before I did. I I don't think I even focused enough on the one module I ever attended on how to do a sales call. I was like, oh yeah, this is boring. (laughs) This sounds like too many things. I don't like rules. I'm not going to follow those. I'm just going to just show up and just meet the person and see if they're a good fit. There's a, the challenges, the unique challenges we have. And at the same time, I 100% believe that overall, they allow for a real superpower in what it is to be a business owner and to be an entrepreneur. Once we can have that healthy level of self-awareness and really unapologetically call in what we need. And like you said, I use the word boundaries. And obviously boundaries is a really significant one, which um, I'm really, I used to be. I say I'm really, I'm not really bad at it. I used to be <laughs> really bad at it. And it can rear its head every so often. Oh my gosh, thank you for sharing all of this. I would love to know more about this membership. It sounds like a very special space. Can you tell us more about your membership?
1: Yeah, so it's just an extension really of um kind of the podcast. So it's the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Collective. and um, it stemmed from just, you know, people wanting to to work more with me and me only being me. And so I couldn't all the one-to-ones. So we've created a a really safe space of um, lots of women from all around the world who are um, recognizing ADHD in themselves. So whether they've had the diagnosis or they are waiting and they just want to learn more. So we have workshops. um, We are bringing guest experts. uh, I share content, exclusive videos, audio. Basically, it's just an extra support system to understand yourself better to, and it's it's really affordable, and it's I think I I really deliver a lot for it because I really want to ensure that um, women are getting the support, especially here in the UK, where you know people are waiting two or three years for a diagnosis on the NHS. They are um, not getting the aftercare. They get the diagnosis; it's a two-hour um, diagnosis. They're handed a prescription, and it's like goodbye. So mm. you know, we, we need to be able to have a pathway to understand ourselves and learn how to change our life and our lifestyle and our wellbeing so we can thrive. You know, that's literally all I want for, for people is to empower them with tools, empower them with new mindsets, new insights, um, anything that will lead them to live um, life better than they had done before their diagnosis. So I just try and bring in lots of different elements. Um, and it's great. It's really great. So yeah. And again, with this, I'm really careful with how much I um promise and I, I notice how overwhelmed I can get. So I was really honest from the outset, and it's gonna be, you know, one live workshop a month with an expert, and then I'm gonna come in one, you know, once live, whether that is just me or it's a meetup or it's tapping or something. And then in between I sort of drip feed a bit of content because if I over-promised and over-delivered, I know I would get overwhelmed and I know that wouldn't yeah. work for me. So I want the membership to be somewhere thing that I stay put. And I I don't want to be the the kind of frazzled version of myself. So if people yeah, like a lot of energy of it, to hold. Yeah, if people like the sound of it, then you know you can go to my website, um, which has now been changed. Which I, I used to be coaching by Kate, and I've just made a big transition to commit fully to the ADHD space. So it's now the ADHD Women's Wellbeing. Uh, well, it's just ADHD Women's Wellbeing dot um, and it's the same as the the podcast. So yeah, you guys can just find ADHD women's wellbeing and I'm all over the, all over the place. And um, I hope that it resonates with people who are listening now, because I just want to be able to create a supportive way of working with people so they can feel uh, that they're not alone.
0: Beautiful. And we'll make sure that all the links are in the show notes. So they're nice and easy to find. I do have one question actually in regards to the membership, because I recognize there are people like me who I haven't got a diagnosis, um, partly because, like you say, there's a massive long way to get one. And I didn't want to go privately because I didn't really see much point. Because like you say, I've, I've noticed that the aftercare isn't fantastic. And to be honest with you, after having supported my daughter and knowing all the things that they've been kind of checking her for, for me for me, it was just easy to kind of just say, I know I'm neurodiverse. Um, I don't know the specificities of it, but my self-awareness and what I've done to regulate my nervous system since has helped me. I, I feel like I'm okay, essentially. However, this membership, this community sounds really powerful. So for those who suspect that they are ADHD or are on that wait list, is this also a space for them?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I'm very open about that that you don't have to have the doctor's stamp of approval to know that you've got ADHD there's enough content out there now where you can um really understand yourself and learn you know the traits and and kind of identify with ADHD and so if you if that is you then you are more than welcome in the membership and there's a lot of women there that are the same as you that have had a child diagnosed and know that it ADHD is there for them as well and they don't need the doctor to to tell them, especially if medication isn't the route that you want to go with. So if if you yeah. are sort of happy doing all the holistic side and know that there's there's options there and you want to learn more, then I would say this is probably a good space for you because we do it is very holistic lifestyle, well-being based. Um, it's not, we talk about medication, but it's definitely not at the forefront of what this um, the membership's about. It's all about changing and tweaking our lifestyle and the way we talk to ourselves and all the things that we can do to harness to live better in a calmer way, in a more empowered way. So yeah, if this sounds like like you, we will always accept anyone like that. <laughs>
0: Amazing, it sounds incredibly powerful, and thank you so much for your candidness today, sharing everything It's been really eye opening and I know will be immensely valuable to anyone who is well i think in any context, whether you think you are or whether you acknowledge that you're highly likely around other people who are also have a d h d to be able to understand it better and be more compassionate and be more supportive. I think the better we can understand everyone in in our community. The better a person we can be um, and the easier it is to be, like I say, compassionate when we see things that we don't entirely understand. So thank you so much for your time today, Kate. Um, it's been an thank absolute you. pleasure talking with you. Thank and you. Like I say, thank if you. anyone's interested in learning more about how to work with Kate, please check out the links in the show notes and you'll be able to go over to Kate's website and find out more about her incredible podcast and her wonderful membership. Have been listening to the Embodied Business Revolution podcast with myself, Polly Lavarello. Thank you so much for joining me today. And if you enjoyed today's episode and are keen to hear more, come on over and join us behind the scenes at Embodied Business Revolution on Instagram. We can't wait to say hi.